Our first character this evening is David Brainerd. And as we learn about his life, I'd like to begin with Proverbs 16, verse 9. Please turn your Bibles to Proverbs 16, and verse 9. We're going to try to draw out the idea of God's will and discerning God's will. Many of you have certain plans and dreams for your life, and God has different plans and dreams for your life. We're going to learn an example of this from the book of Proverbs, and primarily this evening from the life of David Brainerd. Pastor Seth has given us a great example of biographies throughout the years, and he has spent sermon-length series on great men in church history. Mine are a bit shorter, and think of these stories as a a diving board into the pool. This is not the pool itself. This is just a diving board to help you get into the pool. So I'm just going to give you a little taste of David Brainerd, and Lord willing, later on, Richard Baxter, and in between That sandwich will have the meat of George Whitfield from Pastor Seth. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says this. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Let's look at a great character in church history to help us understand this particular verse. Because, as this verse tells us, our plans are not always God's plans. My plan was to go to Ghana, West Africa in 2005, and that was shut off because God had different plans for me. We walked down path A, but for whatever reason, path A is blocked. Have you ever had that happen to you before? More like how many times? Has that happened to you before? And so we try path A again. And still nothing. And now what do we do? Is God finished with us? Should we quit? Or do we get busy serving God in another capacity like the man in this evening's story? Ivor Jeffries. No, it's not Ivor Jeffries. It's David Brainerd. Well, I know David Brainerd personally. Not quite David Brainerd. I know David de Brainerd. He's not the same one. He's also a godly man, and we might do David de Brain someday. But this is similar. It's David Brainerd. And David Brainerd was born in Connecticut... In 1718, that is in the United States. So this was before the United States even became a country. During this time, great evangelists like John Wesley, George Whitfield, and Jonathan Edwards were around. They were born just a few years earlier, and their ministries would have a tremendous effect. On David Brainerd. 
Well, David Brainerd grew up in a family that was not strong physically. In fact, his father died when David was only nine years old. And his mother died when Brainerd was 13 years old. Brainerd was one of nine children. There were five boys and four girls. And David was the third oldest. In fact, his younger brother, John, became his successor. When David Brainerd died, he became his successor to the Indians that he served as a missionary. Four of the Brainerd children died in their 20s or 30s, including David, who would die at age 29. Reminds us a little bit of Robert Murray McChain. That's right. What a gift the Lord has given us in this world today. Uh, Really one of the blessings of capitalism. And that is children bury their parents. We lived... We live in a day today where that's the norm, but that's not always been the norm. In fact, the norm has often been parents burying their children. Well, what Brainerd lacked in body, he made up for in mind. He was intelligent and he was a lover of books, even reading through the Bible twice a year before he was converted. Now, I just want to apologize now because I... I'm going to do my best to explain this life, but David Brainerd, his, his journal, which we're going to talk about in a moment, it is not easy reading. I have Jonathan Edwards' two-volume biography. I didn't bring it with me today because it's so big. Imagine two hardback books this thick, and the words are tiny print, and it's double column. And I read as much again the last couple days of Brainerd's life. And it is, it is difficult. It can be depressing. But there was a shift in my perspective of Brainerd. I want to tell you about that shift a little bit later on. Uh, he was an amazing man. And you read about his life. He writes like a believer Before he was a believer. I mean he was fasting. He was praying. He was reading through his Bible multiple times a year. Even before conversion. He ultimately was uh, born again at age 21. While taking a walk alone and praying. And suddenly the, the Lord opened his eyes to the truth of the gospel. And brought him to what he says. A hearty desire to exalt Jesus Christ. There was a battle back and forth. Am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? I sense my own sin. How can I come to Christ? Well, after his conversion, later that year, he entered Yale College to prepare for pastoral ministry. He did well academically. He finished first in his class. And even more, he was growing spiritually with revival sweeping through the college, a college that had been cold for many, many years when it came to spiritual things. 
But all that change, that is the coldness, changed in 1742 during his third year at the university, his junior year. And as there was a great revival and and movement of the Holy Spirit going through the school. And by the way, as we learned with McChain, God has often seen fit to use young people to spur evangelistic zeal and zeal for missions through the church at large. Young person, do not view yourself as a second class citizen. Do not despise your youth. God can use you. And often has used youth like you to spur zeal, religious fervor within his church, even among the adults. Although, technically, it shouldn't be that way. It should be the adults leading the young people. In 1742, Brainerd was expelled from school. How can this be? Well, he was expelled for criticizing one of his teachers, saying, someone had asked them, what do you think about so-and-so? And there was a lot of hypocrisy among the professors. Beautiful on the outside and on the inside. Someone had asked him what they thought about so-and-so's prayer. And Brainerd said, just in passing, in a private group, that this particular teacher had no more grace than a chair. Well... A student overheard the remark and that person ran off and tattled on Brainerd and told the authorities. It came down to Brainerd. Brainerd was honest. He said, yes, I did say that. And no matter how hard he tried to fix his error, the school would not allow him to return. Well, Brainerd was devastated, especially since at that time, No one could be an official pastor in Connecticut without a recognized college degree. By the way, till Brainerd's dying day, he believed that his punishment that he received at Yale was unjust. And it was far too severe. But what would you do? He had all of these plans. He had been converted. He he gave his life to Christ. Now he's going to the ministry, and then this happens. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You see, God had great plans for Brainerd, but he had to move him through some difficult times that he did not expect. And Brainerd could not see what these plans were at the time. But rather than becoming bitter with God or leaving the faith or pouting over his unfair treatment, Brainerd got busy with the next best available option, which was missions to the Housatonic Indians in nearby Massachusetts. I mean, who wants to do that? No one, especially those earning their fancy degrees at Yale College. So you actually don't need a degree to do this. We need a missionary. He says, I'll do it. And though he would only live for four more years, he became one of the most influential missionaries of all time. The fruit of his ministry at first seems small. He did little translation work. 
He started a school for a few Indian children. There was a small awakening of the spirit. While he was a missionary among the Indians where dozens, perhaps even scores of Indians were converted. But it really wasn't what Brainerd did. Again, similar to McChain. It wasn't so much of what he did that made the greatest impact. It was who he was. Brainerd is still remembered today because of his godly life and the journal that covers this. Brainerd left behind a journal that was later published by Jonathan Edwards. The man in who, whose house Brainerd died of tuberculosis. So Brainerd dies in Edwards' home. And we haven't covered Edwards yet, but he was perhaps the greatest mind that America has ever produced. A godly pastor and missionary during this time in the United States. Just to get an idea of how much Edwards respected this young man, Brainerd. Edwards' teenage daughter, Jerusha, died soon after Brainerd died. There's some discussion if there was some kind of romance there, but we won't know because he died too soon. But Jerusha died soon after the, afterwards, most likely having to do with the same kind of sickness that Brainerd had. She tried to nurse him back to health. She was by his bedside. And for Edwards to know that this man was at least indirectly responsible for my daughter's death, and yet he still writes the, or covers the journal of Brainerd, is amazing. In this journal, Brainerd talks about his loneliness. He talks about fasting and prayer. He talks about longing for souls. He talks about all kinds of things. He, he talks about the day his horse was poisoned. He talks about how his longing for holiness would keep him up at night. He talked about his battle to love the Indians. And to be really honest, I really don't love the Indians. And yes, I do love the Indians and the battle in his own heart. All who read this book and all who have read this book loved it because it showed a man who was willing to endure difficulties in a man who was unwilling to quit. In fact, in missions history, the cannon that shot some of the world's greatest missionaries throughout the world into great commission work and into the harvest field was David Brainerd's journal. Why did you go to the mission field? Why did you go to the mission field? Oh, because there was a day that I was reading David Brainerd's journal. And there was a stirring in my heart. And I said, I want that. It was the life of Brainerd that these great missionaries pointed to. Henry Martin to Persia. David Brainerd. Robert Morrison to China. David Brainerd. David Livingston to Africa. David Brainerd, William Carey to India, David Brainerd. 
But in case you're really excited now to read David Brainerd's journal, I need to warn you of something. His journal is unlike any journal you have ever read. In fact, Edwards warns us at the beginning. When you get to the journal, Edwards has a preface. And Edwards warns us at the start of two weaknesses. He calls them imperfections. He says, I just want to warn you, Brainerd has two imperfections. He used that word specifically because he didn't want to call them sins. They weren't necessarily sins. They weren't necessarily immoralities, but he called them imperfections. One of them was his excessive work ethic. He said he just worked too hard, especially for his frail body, and Ultimately, it affected his poor health and probably he died young because of his excessive work habits. But the main weakness that, or imperfection that Edwards brought out was a personality that was bent toward depression, melancholy, gloominess there really is a lot of dour dark writings in Brainerd's journals even after his conversion I said this to my wife nearly every journal entry for a particular day references some kind of despair over his sinful heart. It's difficult to find an entry, especially in the early parts, without some kind of reference to his sinful heart. I could give you dozens of examples, and that's not an exaggeration. Let me just give you some examples. Quote, In my morning devotions, bitterly, Mourned over my exceeding sinfulness and vileness. Or, I deserve hell every day for not loving my Lord more. Or, God was pleased this morning to give me such a sight of myself as made me appear very vile in my own eyes. Or, I have been almost ready to die with the view of the wickedness of my own heart. Or, this morning I saw so much of my hellish vileness that I appeared worse to, my, worse to myself than any devil. I wondered that God would let me live and wondered that people did not stone me much more that they would ever hear me preach. Or, I look to myself like the vilest fellow in the land. Or, 
I went into the meeting house ashamed to see any came to hear such an unspeakably worthless wretch. (coughs) Or, I thought myself the worst wretch that ever lived. It hurt me and pained my very heart that anybody should show me any respect. Get ready to read that page after page after page. Now, as I read that, I sat back in my chair and I thought, is that a good model? Should we talk that way? Is this something that Christians should aspire to? There is a point Reading through, and it is tough reading to go through it, and it's a lot of material. There's a point where I just wanted to say, this is not helpful. This is not enjoyable. This is not inspiring. Now, to be fair to Brainerd, before I balance this out later on, just to balance those quotes out of despair, This is not all he wrote about. He often spent long hours, in fact, sometimes he'd spend an entire day alone in the woods, fasting and praying and speaking of the sweetness of Jesus Christ and longing for communion with him. That's filled in the book as well. But his journals were no doubt morose. And again, Edwards warns us of it. And then later on, after his journal, Edwards gives more comments on his journal. Well over a dozen times, Brainerd spoke of wanting to die. It could have been two dozen times. Here's one example. (coughs) Quote, oh, death, death, my kind friend, hasten and deliver me from dull monotony. Now, I want to caution you not to do something that I was tempted to do. If you are tempted at this point to judge Brainerd harshly for his constant depression, and you find it easy to chastise Brainerd and... There is some warrant to chastise Brainerd. Let me ask you two questions that I had to ask myself and I had to admonish myself with. Question number one. How many people do you know of today that spend whole days in communion and fasting With their Lord. And if the answer is. I don't. Then let us not be quick to judge David Raynard. Second question. Is the current society. Our current world. Given. To humble reflection and pursuit 
of righteousness? Or is it given to the love of self and narcissistic entertainment? And if again our answer is, it's the latter, let us put our hands over our mouth when we look at Brainerd. Jonathan Edwards gives two amazing quotes that really put David Brainerd's quotations here in perspective. I'm going to give you a quote. It's a little bit more lengthy than I'd like to give. But you're going to hear the word this several times. And at the end of the quote, I'd like you to tell me what you think the this is referring to. Here we go. This was what drew his heart. This is Edward speaking about Brainerd. This was the center of his soul. This was the ocean to which all the streams of his religious affections tended. This was the object that engaged his eager thirsting desires and earnest pursuits. He knew no true excellency or happiness but this. This was what he longed for most vehemently and constantly on earth. And this was with him the beauty and blessedness of heaven. Can you guess what the this was? Here it is. Quote. It was to be perfectly holy and perfectly exercised in the holy employments of heaven. When that is your world, when, is that, when that is your center, when that is your foundation, when that is the center of your universe, to be holy like Christ, we're going to talk more like Brainerd. Perhaps a greater longing for holiness would make more people talk like Brainerd. He loathed his sin. Edwards writes, How tender was his conscience. How apt was his heart to smite him. How easily and greatly was he alarmed at the appearance of moral evil. How great and constant was his jealousy over his own heart. How strict his care and watchfulness against sin. How deep and sensible with the wounds that said made his conscience. Those evils that are generally accounted small. Were almost an insupportable burden to him. We don't talk like Brainerd because we don't have a sensitive conscience like Brainerd. We don't want to be holy like Brainerd. We live in a narcissistic world that loves self 
And we don't have enough Christians loathing self, hating self, despising self. Well, Brainerd gives us even more than his journals. His journals that speak about his own lowliness and desire to be holy. Brainerd gave the church another tremendous gift. And that is in his journals, besides the devotional aspects of it. This, the, this, uh, in spite of the, his expressing longingness for holiness. He also talked about the methods that he used of reaching the Indians. This is a great book for missions. He gave some of the methods that he used of reaching the Indians. And I'll give you a couple of these methods. First, he learned the Indian language. Now, he did often, especially in the beginning, use a translator. Another method he used was writing a catechism. And that in itself is not necessarily unusual. But what was surprising about the catechism that he wrote was that the majority of the questions simply demanded a yes or no answer. I thought that was very interesting. Obviously, to make it easy for the culture that had very little education. Well, I just know that I hold to the Westminster Standards. And that's what I'm going to teach to the Indians. Not Brainerd. Let me give an example of one of the questions. Question. Does God require us to do anything that will hurt us and take away our comfort and happiness? Answer. No. Next question. And he even said, at the end of the first something like 12 questions, he said, I was so excited that they answered all the questions correctly, and there's not one person who answered it incorrectly. Rebuke Paul. Maybe we hold our children or our particular setting to too high of a standard. He also enumerated the many difficulties a missionary To the Indians would face. There was many. Let me just give you three of them that he listed. One challenge was teaching thoughts about God in a way that could be understood. He said the Indian language was so limited. There was no words for savior, salvation, sinner, justice, faith, grace, condemnation, repentance, Justification, adoption, glory, and heaven. That takes some real skill to teach the Bible if you don't have those words. Why is it again that the one who couldn't get a degree had to go to this place? It would think that our best, cleverest, wisest, gift, most gifted people should be going to the Indians. So Brainerd said he either had to teach the word in English... Or he had to explain it at length. So here he has the word justification. He either can give them the word justification. Or he can explain it by saying something like, when your heart is changed. He said the people were not awed or afraid of God's anger. (coughs) He said they would not accept that they were sinners. Most of them. He said the only way that he could effectively teach them of their inner sin was to point to their naughty children and say they're acting naughty not because you taught them it's because it's inherent 
They were born with that sin. Another difficulty, the second one, was the Indians' bad experience with quote-unquote Christianity. The Indians thought all Christians were hypocrites. Oh, we've seen, we've seen Christians come to our land over from yonder. Very interesting how Edwards and Brainerd explain this. Oh, Christians lie. Christians get drunk. They thought that Christianity was only a tool that foreigners were using to enslave them. And so Brainerd had to show them that there is a difference between a professing Christian and a real Christian. A third challenge was a lack of character. He said that during his preaching, children would scream and they would cry and the mothers would do nothing to correct it. He said the men were, quote, unspeakably lazy and slothful. And he said of the males, not one in a thousand of them had the spirit of a man. Oh, don't speak that way. No, that's every culture without the gospel. And if you want to see a culture that is hardworking, a culture that thinks well, it's going to be a culture that's heavily influenced by the gospel. Well, all of this, this life of David Brainerd, it all started with a few careless words and an unjust punishment. But the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Outsiders saw this particular case with Brainerd as an unfortunate mistake. Brainerd took it as God's providence. And he was strengthened by his strong confidence in God's plans. He kept on moving, kept on serving, and kept on living for Christ during the brief time that he had on this earth.